if you don't know me, my name is Clive. I'm part of the leadership. Uh, if you do know me, my name is still Clive, and I'm still part of the leadership, so nice to see you this morning. Um, we've been following uh, some uh, pattern over the last couple of weeks of looking at the vision for the church, which is expressed in the terms that we are rooted in Christ, planted in family, and fruitful in life. And for the first couple of weeks, I unpacked the concept of being firmly foundationed and rooted in Christ and in His Word. And He spoke about the importance of us being able to look to everything that we do as coming out of God's Word and being foundationed in His Word. So we've got a strong foundation. Then Helen, last week, had a look at the concept of being planted in family and spoke very encouragingly about the real importance of us being known and knowing and put out an invitation that there are so many opportunities for you to get to know people in the church, whether it's through life groups or courses or the services that we have, but we really want to encourage you to be somebody that becomes locked into the church and becomes part of the family, not just someone who comes visiting. You're welcome to visit. If you're here for the first time, it's great to have you this morning, but we'd like you to, to be part of the family and, and take root and be firmly planted in the family. So it falls to me this morning to speak about the third aspect, which is being fruitful in life. And fruitfulness implies productivity. And when I spoke about this the last time, I spoke quite specifically about the various ministries that the church has to reach out to the world. We talked about the fact that we reach out to Jerusalem, Judea, and the rest of the world that we're involved. And we will talk about this a bit later this morning in ministries close to home and further afield. But before we get on to the productivity of fruit, I'd like to go to a different aspect and have a look at something else. And I'm going to sidetrack a few times before we get to the, this is the productivity of the church and this is the fruit that is being borne by the church. Um, I'd like to read to you from Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22 to 25 that says this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we, are li since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And the first thing I want to talk about is our desire for our church to be fruitful, not just in productivity and what we do, but in the character in which we do it. Jesus, when he was busy with his ministry, was clear to people that he was there to preach and teach that the kingdom of God was at hand. But while he did that, he healed people, and he fed people, and he socialized with people. And it's important for us that as we think about the fact that we want to be a church that reaches out and changes the world around us, that it doesn't just become a task and a target. And we see people as being scores that we can make. We, God's got this big scoreboard up in heaven, and it's so many for the devil and so many for him, and, and, and we become orientated to move people from the one to the other. That is, of course, what we want to do, but the reason we do it is because God loves those people. God is not seeing every person that comes into the kingdom of God as just another score on his chart. He's seeing every person that comes into the kingdom of God as a member of his family that he loves and he rejoices. And the Bible tells us there's great rejoicing over every person that comes to salvation. The motivation that we have should be that love of God. Helen spoke last week about 1 Corinthians 13, that love that God places inside us so that we care about the people that we're speaking to. It's not just a case of there you are, you're a target, I'll tell you about Jesus and I'll move on. James talks about the fact that if we go to someone who's hungry and naked and we just say be warm and be fed and we walk away and leave them as they are, it doesn't make a great difference in their lives. And so that first aspect I want us to think about is the fact that we need to show character 
along with our productivity, that it needs to be the thing that attracts us, that people need to see us as people who care. And I'm going to be heading towards the end about our personal involvement, but the challenge I put out to you is, do people know you as someone who cares? Do people know you as someone who stops and encourages? Do people know you as somebody who gives a helping hand? Are you someone that they will listen to because you've shown them the love of God in what you've done before you started speaking? Moving on, we do need to talk about productivity. Before we get on to ministry productivity, because the thing we're going to talk about in the end is we need to get people saved. Let's cut to the chase. That's where we're going, and that's why the church is here. But before that, I want to talk about a different kind of productivity, and I want to go to Old Testament references for this and to go to the book of Genesis, chapter 39 and verse 1. And we're going to just read a few paragraphs about a young man called Joseph. It says, Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt and Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household. He entrusted his, to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of the, the, his household and all that he owned, the Lord blessed that household because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both on his house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care, and Joseph in charge, and with Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything. What a wonderful picture. This is a young man who's come traumatically into Egypt. He's been brutalized by his brothers and sold. Doesn't do much for your sense of well-being and your sense of value. But somehow, by the grace of God, he lands up as a slave in the house of Potiphar, and he becomes an excellent slave. It's not right that he's a slave. It's not God's best for him at that moment, although God's going to work his best through that. But in that situation, he determines to be someone that brings the presence of God into his everyday work, into his career. And he becomes the best slave that Potiphar's ever had, to the extent that Potiphar begins to entrust him with major responsibility until it says that he's running his businesses and his fields and his house because he can be trusted. We know that Potiphar's wife messes with that and Joseph lands up in prison. Let's read about how he behaves there. <clears throat> it says in verse 20 of chapter 39, Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was, there in, Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness, and he granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all these things and all those held in prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in all that he did. Here's the challenge in terms of being fruitful in life. We, we are... Looking at the, our church's desire to, to have people who are rooted in Christ, planted in family, but are pro productive and effective and life-changing outside of the nurturing and family environment that we have here. And there's a challenge for us. Are you a worker that your boss looks to and says, I can trust? Are you someone who takes a menial task like being a slave and starting off in part of his house, I'm sure when Joseph started, he got the worst and most menial task, and does them to the extent that you are seen as someone who is an asset to have in that company, someone who is a blessing, and that the Lord's blessing comes through you 
in the company that you work in. I'd like us to think of this fruitfulness of ours being something that's not just limited to how many people have we got saved in the last year, but it is how many people's lives are we touching with the fruit of the Spirit? How are we impacting on the businesses that we are part of? How are we impacting in the organizations that we work for? Are we people that spread the gospel of the good news of Jesus Christ by being dependable, by being efficient, by being hardworking, by being reliable? But of course, the area in which we are specifically called to be fruitful is in the spreading of the gospel. In Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And I'm just going to take a moment or two to talk about some of the ways in which you possibly could be involved in doing that through the organized ministries of the church. We also look at this concept of starting close to home and working further afield, and we are therefore supporting and being involved with organizations, youth organizations, people like the Christian Union, and churches around us. It's been a joy. In the last couple of weeks, we've been approached by churches to provide people to preach sometime in the future soon. We've been approached by two churches asking us if their worship leaders can be supported by our worship team. We like to be part of the local church community. Anton Helen run a breakfast for, for pastors on a regular basis. What assets we have, we like to make available to others. In a sh in, how many weeks is it before you go down to Brighton? Six weeks. Three weeks. In three weeks' time, uh, Johnny's taking a group of people down to Brighton to go and work with the church that Forest Town supports there, to go and work on the street, and also to work with their worship teams as well. So there is opportunity if you're somebody that wants to get involved in supporting either financially or in terms of your gifting, organizations like Young Life, like STEP, like 267, uh, and the outreaches we have to churches in St. Austell and Brighton, those opportunities are there. But we do stretch further afield as well, and just very briefly, we have three international outreaches that we're involved in on a regular basis. We have a gentleman called Andy Warsop, who some of you will know and some of you will have met when we had our church barbecue out, what was that place called? The one we had out, not the normal one that we have at the school we had over there. Spring Meadow Farm, he was there when some of us were there. Andy, some years ago, went out with the blessing of Forest Town Church to work in a Bible school in Romania. He's now involved in directing that Bible school, lecturing both in person and online, and being very um, involved in the local church. And we support Andy financially and also by just keeping in touch with him and seeing how things are going and providing him with a home church to come back to when he comes back to the UK. We also have a relationship with a, a couple called Tony and Linda Johnson who are in Nagaland in India. They run a, a church called the Bridge Church. And Tony has a fascinating history of being, well, when he first went to India, part of what he was doing was just being a bit of a hippie, but also he was dealing drugs out of his guitar case. Um, and moved up and down India spreading that joy until the Lord powerfully and amazingly saved him and changed his life around. And he, after some time, went back to India. And for the last 20 years, Tony and Linda have been going into communities, planting a church, growing that church, handing it over to someone local, then moving to the next place, planting a church and growing a church. And at the moment, they're in Dimapur in Nagaland in northeast India. They've established a church called The Bridge, but... What we get involved in, and we are hoping to be back there this year, is he runs an uh, sorry, a program called CORE, which is a mentoring program for young people. They get about a dozen young people together for three months. 
They spend all their time together. They start their day together with prayer and worship and Bible study. And in the program, there is mentoring in their spiritual growth, in their understanding of Scripture, but also he brings in entrepreneurs and business people and people with life skills to also help raise these people up. And they do that for about three months, and they take a break, build on the church, and then they do another core team. And we're involved in that, both in financially supporting them for their premises they have, and also in taking people out to go and see them. And then something that's particularly close to my heart, we are involved in Cambodia with two outreaches that take place there. There is an organization called Daughters of Cambodia, uh, which is involved in taking sex workers off the streets of Phnom Penh, if you've ever been to Cambodia, it's a very distressing thing to see how openly and how blatantly that kind of exploitation of people is taking place in the country. And Ruth is running a very effective uh, program which takes about 100 young people off the streets into safety and into a new career. And we support that both in terms of visiting there but also financially. And Mark and Mari run a, a stall occasionally to sell products that they produce in their ministry. And then my dear friend and brother, Buna Yin, runs a church planting ministry in Cambodia, which has been going for 20-something oh, years now, and has planted something like 20 churches in the provinces of Cambodia. Based in a church in Phnom Penh, he goes out to the villages, establishes relationship, tells people about Jesus, and establishes them in local churches, which they then mentor. And we, for years now, have been supporting them in various different ways. We've built houses, we've started food banks, we've bought transport for people, but more importantly for us in terms of our relationship, we go out and we support them by teaching and preaching in those local churches. All of these are ways in which we can, as an organization, be fruitful, and there will be opportunities. We are going to be taking teams out this year, hopefully to both India and uh, Cambodia, and we will be telling you more about that as, as time moves on. But that's not where I want to stop, because I want to look at how the gospel really spreads. It is important that we send out missionaries. Paul and Silas were anointed and prayed for and sent out. That's important. It's important that we hold services here and invite people to come in and hear about the gospel. The early church in Jerusalem did that as well. But if you look at the history of the early church in Jerusalem, you'll find the greatest growth that took place, the greatest growth spurt that took place, was when persecution started in Jerusalem and people were jolted out of being comfortable in the church and had to flee. And wherever they went, they preached the gospel. You know, we, we, are, we are struggling with the pandemic in the world at the moment. Coronavirus has spread throughout the world and millions of people have been affected by it. And without seeming to be flippant about it, coronavirus has not spread because there have been coronavirus spreading conferences that you can attend. Come and learn how to spread coronavirus. There have not been campaigns, to my knowledge, of people crusading to spread coronavirus. It has spread by accidental and incidental contact between individuals who are infected and individuals who are not infected. And that's how the gospel should spread. There is an absolute place, and that's why we're here, for the organized activities that we have in spreading the gospel. But there is a place for each person becoming infectious to the extent that you see yourself as somebody who can be part of this process. That you see yourself, you know, sitting here, you have access to so many places that I'm never going to see or go to. Your place of work, your student digs, your classrooms that you're in, your friends in, that you meet in study groups, um, your colleagues at work, your children, your family, your aunts, your uncles. We have access through you 
to hundreds of, of places and thousands of people. And if you are waiting to be packaged and sent out, opportunities are going to go by. We need to be ready in season now to share and to witness and to testify. When Jesus gave the commandment to his disciples to follow the Great Commission, he said, you will be witnesses for me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the world. He said, you will be witnesses. What does a witness do? What is a witness? A witness is somebody who talks about what they have seen and what they have heard and tells the truth of what they have experienced and seen and heard. Every single one of us can do that. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you have made a decision to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you have a story to tell about salvation. You have your testimony of why you are a Christian, and you can share that when the opportunity arises. It would be lovely if you equipped yourself to be able to, to scripturally explain to people what it's all about, but everybody here has a story to tell, and everybody here will have opportunities. And my question is, are we grasping those opportunities? The kingdom of God is going to spread at its most effective if more and more people say, I'm not just somebody who comes along on a Sunday morning and gets taught and gets some more knowledge. And then I go away and I come back the next Sunday and I get taught and I get some more knowledge. And maybe I come in the middle of the week to have an activity and I get taught some more and I get some knowledge. We're going to spread when you take what you've got and share that. And you might say, well, I don't have a lot. I'm, I'm, I'm not someone who's skilled in talking. I'm not someone who can stand up and, and talk to a group of people. But you've got something. You've got your story. And there are so many examples in the Bible of Jesus taking something small and insignificant and making something big happen from it, from physically taking five loaves and two fishes and feeding 5,000 people to taking a scared young man called Gideon and having him defeat a massive army with just 300 soldiers. It's about the fact, are you primed and ready and available? Do you see yourself as being someone who can be spreading the good news of Jesus Christ? If you have Jesus living in your heart, you have, you know, if, if you could stand up now and say, I have the finite cure for coronavirus, you would be so welcomed in this world and you would be so famous. I have solved the problem. Well, we have the solution to sin and death, and hell living within us. And we're embarrassed to share it, or it's not convenient to share it, or we don't feel we're trained up enough to share it, or we think that people might be offended if we share it. I want to stir you up this morning. I want to say to you, you can make a difference, and you need and should be making a difference. Do I, you know, I said to somebody one day, I was on a, a tube train in London, and one of those guys jumped on with a megaphone. I don't know if you've encountered them in London. But as the train was about to pull out of the station, this guy jumped on with a megaphone, and for the next five minutes till the next station, he preached hell and damnation and turn or burn gospel. And I must confess with my sensitivities, I was kind of embarrassed and I thought, that's not the way to go about it. And, and I just hoped he didn't look at me. And he got up at the next station. And I sort of went, Phew, And God spoke into my heart and said, and what were you doing while he was doing that? You were criticizing his style, but you weren't telling anybody about Jesus. He was. I'm not saying you must take a megaphone and jump on the tube. But I am saying that there will be opportunities. And you don't have to preach your whole sermon when someone gives you an opportunity. But are you primed and ready 
to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to challenge you to get out of your comfort zone. I, I have a pastor friend, that in person, that the, the caricature in the lift, and in the silence, somebody says something like, Jesus Christ. He will turn around and say, praise his name, hallelujah, I serve him, he's my Lord and King. And he doesn't care who he is. How much do we stay quiet when we could just say something? He doesn't preach a sermon, but he leaves those people going, there's something weird going on here. There's an opportunity to learn something. I want to encourage you, be part of our program of missions. Be part of our program of, of, of reaching out and doing what we can do. We will try and create opportunities for that. Maybe you're one of the people who's going with Johnny to Brighton, or maybe you'll be one of the people who'll be going down to St. Orsel at some stage to go and help them there. But don't wait for that. Don't wait for us to put you on a, on a platform and go. Start looking around and saying, where can I show the fruit of the Holy Spirit? Where can I show the character and the nature and the grace of Jesus Christ into what I'm doing so that I can share the gospel of Jesus in my everyday life? There's another aspect I want to look at, though, because I'm, I'm, I'm talking now to people who've got Jesus in their hearts because they made a decision to serve him and to give their lives to him and to make him their Lord. But I'm very much aware that there might be people sitting here and probably are people sitting here who haven't made that decision yet. You maybe haven't decided that this is for you. You've come to check it out and you're wondering. And I want to encourage you by reading another scripture which we find in Matthew chapter 13, verses 3 to 9. It says, Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. And as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up, and some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil, so it sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no roots. And others fell amongst thorns which grew up and choked the plant, and still other seed found on good soil where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty-fold of what was sown. And then he says this, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. You know, there are many ways you can approach this. It's all about the seed being sown. But I want to say this. In all the cases, the same person was saying the same seed. Whether it made a difference was not, or not was because of the soil that it fell into. And I want to ask you, what kind of soil are you? Are you receptive? Are you too busy to think about the things that we talk about here when we say that you need Jesus Christ as your Lord? Let me just say this to you. God, in his great love for you, has sent his son Jesus Christ some 2,000 years ago to die for the sins of mankind, an innocent man who was crucified for the sins of the world. And God saw fit to place all of our responsibilities that we have failed in and all our sins that we have committed through things we've done and not done on that one man who died a horrific death, rejected and brutalized. And he did that so that he could pay the price for our sins so that we can have a relationship with God like God wanted it to be from the beginning a loving family relationship. That is available to you. All that it takes is acknowledging that Jesus has done that and asking for that salvation to be accounted to you. And you have that opportunity right now. What kind of soil are you? Are you open to that? Because we believe the reason we want to be fruitful is we believe we have something that is so important that is the ultimate Thing that people need to know. We need Jesus in this world, and you need Jesus in your life. And so I want to encourage you. Maybe this morning is the day that you say, you know what, I'm going to stop wondering about these things and thinking that I'll put it off, and you give real attention to the fact that you need Jesus.
I want to say one last thing. I think in very graphic and, and simple terms. And so I look at some truths and I say, I understand if I read the Bible that God loves me tremendously and wants the very best for me. Do you agree with me on that? Do you believe that God loves us intensely and wants the very best for us? I also look at the Bible and I see that in the presence of God in heaven, things are going to be fabulous. No tears, no pain, no hurt, no suffering. So would that not be the best place to be if you wanted the most wonderful time? So if God wants the very best for me because he loves me dearly, and the very best is being in heaven with him, why am I not there? Why does it not happen when the moment I accept Jesus Christ into my life, zip, I disappear to heaven? And I go and enjoy the wonders of heaven. The reason I'm here is because if we all suddenly disappeared when Jesus came into our lives, there'd be no one left to tell the story. I'm here to tell you about Jesus. You're here to tell other people about Jesus. That's why we're still here. We've been left here for a reason, for a purpose. One day, we will have that rejoicing in heaven. One day, whether it's the end of our own lives or when Christ returns. But until then, we're here for a purpose. God longs to have us with him, but he longs to have us bring others with. And so he leaves us here to be a witness, to give testimony of what you have seen and heard and experienced. And so our desire at Forest Town Church is to have our, as a church, to have our community rooted in the Word of God, understanding and appreciating and acknowledging and building our lives on the foundation of the Word of God. It's to be planted in family where we can support and love and nurture one another and meet one another's needs, but it's to have us also to be fruitful in life, in every aspect of life, but in particular, fruitful in bringing others to the kingdom of God. And that's my challenge for you this morning. So let's pray together. Lord, I thank you that someone told me about Jesus. I thank you that someone took the time to love me and share with me and bring me to an understanding of what it means to be a child of yours. Thank you for that, Lord. I pray that all of us will have a desire to be that person for someone else. Thank you for all that you do through this church community, through the various people that reach out in organized ways. But Lord, my, my cry of my heart this morning is, would you stir us up and send us out, as the song says? Will you stir up our hearts so that each one of us says, I can do something. I can touch someone, possibly someone that no one else in the church is ever going to reach. And Lord, we pray that in this town, in our country, and in this world, through the activities of your church, that your kingdom will come and your will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen.